Starting us off here, <clears throat> that clap was for the, the, the edit thing. Edit! Anyways, what air metal number synced. 28? I, I don't know. It, it could not be. You never know. Try syncing that up. Could it be like the, like, uh, you know, the sound thing where, or it'd be like a Bruce Lee movie or something. Oh, yeah. What the fuck? You, we can sit there. Cannot do this to me. <laughs> That would be amazing. I, I mean, I do like my office as cold as possible, so I can hang meat in here and hit it with a stick to to do the sound effects. Oh yeah, we should get into that. That'd be pretty fun. I'm always yeah, so jealous when they're like, "This is how we really made this sound." It was these two pieces of bacon, you know. Yeah, on yeah, top of the, a basketball. Like- yeah, <laughs> and if you light it on fire, yeah, it, it, that's what the sound of someone's head exploding is: bacon on a basketball, on fire. Because fire is good. Like episode 28. That's the sound we use for kisses. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's how they do that. Uh, great. That would be how they do that. <laughs> so we're back. Episode 28. Adam Keeler over here. Tim Mirth over there. No interview this week. We are back to ranting and raving about the goings on in the music world and our own world and wow. things like that. And we have a super... Super important announcement because tomorrow Tim Murth's other project or today which he has like when you 70. see it. Well, today, yeah, hopefully. I mean, if you get it done in time, don't slack. Oh, it's ready. It's already on Bandcamp, ready to drop. It'll no, drop I'm not talking about like, your album. I'm talking about the podcast. I know the album's set. Oh, uh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. All right, it'll be out I'm, today. I'm just, today you be, can go find it. Today, boom! Today you can find it. Night Terrors here again, but spelled like here the ear again? here, not like. Did I get it wrong? Here again? No, it's a question. Here, okay. Oh, again, it was a question. I, you got me confused now. It's like, great, I screwed <laughs> up the... I didn't have the last name last week, and now I'm all screwing up your album. Anything else that I can dive bomb on as a podcast host, that would be superb. A lot. I know. You have to do I know right to, to dive it. on it, right? <laughs> <laughs> there it was, folks. Shots fired. Shots fired. Oh, man. So you got the Break album dropping tomorrow. Day. Here again. Yeah. Again, here again. <laughs> exactly. And you just you had a uh, gig yesterday at yes. the, was that the Bop Stop again? Yeah, it was Night Terrors, same group. Yep, Night so Terrors. So it was a, officially cool it was stuff. supposed to be a CD release party. The CDs are ordered, all the artworks in, all the blah blah blah. We don't have the CDs yet, so unfortunately. Oh, I thought you ordered them in time. Like, didn't you do the? No, like, we we kind of kind of close anyway. Um. It was just one of those things, you know. It just is what it is. 
Yeah. Yeah, nothing you can do about it. I remember when I was touring once, I ran out of CDs and I did a rush order on another batch and I had yeah. to like find the FedEx person in the middle of nowhere, like uh, in Eastern PA. <laughs> like it, we're driving through the hills, like I'm calling FedEx and being like, where is it at? Because yeah. they said that it, I planned it out on picking them up after a show when I was in PA, like I had them delivered to where I was staying. But PA they is went Pennsylvania for non yeah. people from North, I don't know, whatever area this is of the country. Yeah, northeasterly middle, middle northeast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, something like it. Anyways, Pennsylvania. So I was in the middle of somewhere, Pennsylvania, and uh, I sent it to the place where I was staying, and uh, figuring, you know, okay, I'm going to be there the, the next morning. We'll wait for FedEx to show up because the next gig was only like a couple hours away. We could make it in time if we waited to the afternoon for FedEx, and they just they they missed the location or put it somewhere else and it was on the truck and they were going to, I'm like calling them and got, I ended up getting to the guy when he was on his break at a diner, like in the middle of nowhere. I was like, do you have a packet? He's like, yep, I expected you. Here you go. So that was all, that was a fun little adventure, but I did get him. You know, I didn't sell that much money I, more, but uh, either way I had him. That's the I way that goes. I can recall exactly, but I think it was on the way to the airport. To go to Europe, that we picked up the Red Side Visible CDs. Oh yeah, I gave you guys the ride to the airport. Yep. Yeah, what, it was what, some place you were there, right? Point. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I was driving you guys, <laughs> so I was the roadie. Uh, That's right. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I was like, why are we all together? Because I remember we were all together. Yep. Yep. So yeah, so my band Red Side Visible, the one that put an album out in May, um, the original version. This was 2010, I guess. Was it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. In May-ish time. We we had a festival we were playing in France. And we had... The, it was actually when you could still get, like, CDs made locally. It wasn't just like there was, like, five places in the country that actually did it. Um, but, you know, where every city had its own places or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we went and picked them up from the place that made them. Yeah, on the way to the airport. <laughs> on the way to the yeah. airport. I think I had you... Pope Red and uh, and Chris. Yeah, it would have been Chris, right? It wasn't Paul, was it? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's crazy funny. times. Oh, yeah. That's that. That's <laughs> good that's, God. That's cutting that it. was yeah. ten years ago. Yeah, that's like oh, that explains these random aches I'm and pains. I don't remember if we now. sold any in Europe, really. Maybe a few. You said your reception was really good. Like all the small places that you played were really like everybody was open to the music and stuff like that. Well, so was, Red Side Visible only did the festival stuff, but we did um, other gigs, the sort of like fusion jazz, whatever stuff. And that was okay. really nice. There was a place, um, man, I can't believe I forget the name of it, but it was like a sister city of like Paul's, high school thing and uh was that lonsberg might have been lonsberg um anyway they they like wrote a whole like paper article and like the whole town like came out to come see us and it was cool oh that's cool yeah that's awesome that's real cool they also very had nice. very nice incidentally in that town which i think was lonsberg there's this gelato place that was like unreal. 
Like, <laughs> one would hope, you know. You're, well, you're, you're I've had a lot of gelato. I, I travel to Europe a fair amount, and I really like gelato. Yeah. It's great. But they're not all created equally. No, not at all. So not this place all. in particular, I, in you know, memory's funny, but I just remember being like, seriously? <laughs> like, this is really good. <laughs> like, it was, a, it was a step above normal. So. Awesome. Very, very cool. Gelato, uh, Europe. stuff. That's yeah, that's my weakness when I go to Europe. It's always like gelato and coffee, like lots of coffee and gelato. Mm. We just had a gelato place open around the corner from us in downtown Wadsworth. It's called oh, Dolce. Really? And it's nice. really good. It's actually pretty darn good. Uh, my favorite is a salted caramel oh, yeah. gelato. That's, that's right I always get upset when I go in and they're out of it. I'm like, really? You guys should just, just keep it like on intravenous drip. So yeah. I can go and get it when I want it. But right, that's it's right really up my alley, the salted caramel for sure. Oh, yeah. That would yep. be a I mean, it's all like, it's, a, it's an Italian dessert place. You know, they have yeah. alcoholic beverages and milkshakes and uh, uh, all that wonderful stuff. So, so yeah, anyway. We should have, well, the next Night Terrors album would be called The Salted Caramel Gelato is Gone. <laughs> <laughs> Release the track. <laughs> you gotta have me overdubbing some of the nose on that. What? No. What? What um, are we doing here? Yeah. So Night Terrors is a cool project in that it's the project I can do anything I want in. Uh, half of it's like very through composed, crazy. You know, like these. Some of these charts are twenty pages long. They're just like you know. Lots of music, lots of weird time signatures and stuff. But then there's another aspect that's completely free improv and there's gongs and singing bowls and I play viola on it sometimes. And like, mm -hmm. um, actually last night we debuted the allophone, which is this aluminum percussion instrument that Paul got. That's, I don't know, it's probably like eight feet wide, maybe long, wait, wider. And it's, it's kind of like a xylophone kind of thing, but it's these... Um, metal cone looking aluminum things, these bells that you hit with a stick. Hmm. And, and, it, it pitch and it's all pitched, yeah. So Paul actually wrote some new songs for that. One was called 21, which changes time signature every measure up to 21. So it starts at one, next measure's in two, next measure's in three. It goes mm -hmm. to 21 and then it goes back down to one. Hmm. What's um, the pulse with that? Like how, how quick? Um, it was it's relatively quick because I think it's you somewhere around there, you know. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty neat piece, and there was another piece too that we did. Actually, the, the other piece was a really cool piece of hero as well, which was there's a sort of like an A section and a B section. And there's some cues, and then there's all these little motifs that you can play, and some of them are two measures or one measure or four measures. And you just choose. You can choose whatever one you want at any time. Hmm. So there's, I don't know, 13 to choose or something in each section. And I could choose one and I could do the repeated or I could go to another one or I could take a break. And so it ends up getting this like layered sound and it's it's improv, but it's like written out too. So there's, a, yeah, there's choices like a, to be made. Sounds like a Steve Reich idea. Like, yeah, probably he, would. Or like I've seen like yeah, Zorn and those guys. Then, yeah. Yep. And they just conduct when it's okay. Everybody switch to this section here. You yeah, know. and pick which one thing you want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's always organic and new. So that was fun. But yeah. Um, now is that all recorded? 
last night. Yeah. Yeah, actually, so we played the Bob Stop. The Bob Stop video um, records it. I was going to say videotape, but I think that's... That's that's really dating ourselves on that. <laughs> uh, video recorded, and they actually have two cameras, and one can, like, zoom in, and it's really nicely done. There was mics on everything. Came Sweet. out well. You could you could watch the whole thing streamed on Facebook. Uh, but I did get a video of it, too, so I, I'll probably do some stuff with it. Mm. Um, yeah, and it, the gig went pretty well. A few things happened at the gig that had never happened to me before. Ooh, do which tell. Is, which is kind of fun. So one thing, and I, I don't have the guitar down here. So I played the Brian Moore and the K-Line uh, Telly okay. uh, were the two guitars, which was great because normally Night Terrors I'll play a seven string, which I two, I have two seven strings, but honestly, I I don't know. In the last 10 years, I just I much prefer playing a six string to a, any other combination of strings. Um, for a variety of reasons, but also those are the two nicest guitars that I have, mm-hmm. and for a lot of reasons. But uh, anyway, so I used the Brian Moore, and like I said, so there's all these written parts. Then there's there's parts that are improv, and the improv goes from like really sweet, like beautiful, chordal, like you know, like fading into these beautiful, like lustrous, you know, whatever it can can kind of go anywhere to like crazy mayhem, like no holds barred, um, super dissonant or crazy fast or anyway. So I was doing this thing and and I always challenge myself to try something I've never tried before, but this, this is not what I mean by this particular one. I actually had a, so I was pushing on the, the bar on the Brian Moore all the way down and then I was like using my fingers on the string. So it was like, you know, and I had this crazy effect yeah. going on and I was kind of holding and this. This was going on and Paul was doing something cool with the gongs or whatever during that part. And, it's, and when I say gongs, Paul has like 30 gongs and they're of yeah, all different sizes. Yep. And like, you know, it could be like, doom, then ding, dong, ding, 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 you know, all these kind of neat things. So I, <laughs> I was pulling, holding that down and, and then, uh, I didn't realize that that guitar always comes back to tune really well. But when I when I came back up, it was way like the pitch was way low and it was way out of tune, mm. which was unfortunate because the next section that we were doing was this part with these chords that had to sound a certain way. We got through it and then we stopped to the to end that sort of movement and we talked to the crowd a little bit and I had a tune. But I what I realized is one of the springs popped out on the bar. I'm- Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Whoops. So then I was now, starting to tune real, real quick, it. Make sure everybody knows what exactly that means, because like, yeah, so, if uh, you don't know how a tremolo is set up, have... hang on. Let me grab mine. I got mine right here. You got it? Okay. So to those of you that are listening, it's a block underneath in the back of the guitar that has springs on it that go to another thing that's screwed in. Basically, yeah, so the springs are... counter the tension on the, the... The guitar strings counter the tension on the springs, and that causes the bridge to float at an equilibrium. If any of those springs go, you lose that equilibrium because that's the way that it's set up. So I'll like you, let you take it from here, Tim. Yeah, so this, this is... I don't know if you can hear me, but this is a guitar. Yeah, that's better. There's springs here. This is a... Uh, no, trim lock. no so you can ignore that for a second but these black things are springs and basically this this thing can come up 
I can't really do it with my finger and I don't have the bar on here. But what happened is one of those springs actually popped out, which wow. meant there was less tension pulling this down and the, the bridge actually lifted up like this way. And unfortunately on floating bridges, When you're tuning, if you like, say you tune one string, it pulls the tension up on the <laughs> the floating yeah. bridge, and that makes these strings loose. So if yep. you tuned all the strings in a row and you didn't go back and check the first one, it, it actually would have got flat because it, the other ones are pulling up the bridge more. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I'm sitting there like trying to tune it. It's taking forever. You know, trying to tune the guitar. And I could have switched the K-Line, but I, there was a song I wanted to use the thing on. So I actually used it with only, it had two springs, it had three springs originally. One of the springs popped out, so there was still two. Um, so what did that do to the action? That had to, like, kill everything. No, nah, it wasn't bad. Okay. I mean, I can't imagine I'm not as picky great. about action as some people are. Um, mostly I don't care. I, I think it's because I, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But yeah, I didn't notice the action being bad. That guitar is awesome. Like the Brian Moore's, I think I was telling you earlier, like, yeah. I, I like that's a carbon I was just showing you. They're, they play wonderfully, but the to me, there's a big difference in quality, especially in the sound production and just how the guitar reacts, the Brian mm -hmm. Moore compared to the Carvins. Um hmm. For my taste, at least, but even just like dynamically and like all kinds of things, it's just better. I mean, I think there's pretty much no comparison between <laughs> the quality. Um, but that's that, a big that could just be me. <laughs> What's that? So that's a big gauntlet to throw down. <laughs> You're gonna yeah, get I don't all the mean, and I, I think that the, the I, carbon, I know what you mean. Actually, that that particular carbon, I love the the neck profile. It's real wide, and it's just really easy to play. But I, th I think it's part of it's the, the both carvings I have are neck throughs and I just, they just sound kind of dead and mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I don't know. There's so many things, but the, I, one of the things I really like about guitars, like the things I want to have them do is I want them to be more dynamic and more mm -hmm. expressive, but a lot of electric guitars, well, electric guitar in general is very not dynamic mm -hmm. and then some of them are even like more not dynamic <laughs> Just by the way they're built and then like the electronics and stuff that they have. Um, so you, that's the part I'm talking about. Like the Brian Moore, like can get very, you, you have a lot of control over the dynamics and just the way it, I don't know. You can really dig in and it reacts a certain way. You can really back off and it reacts a certain way. Um, that's likable. Anyway, so I did tune it and it, and it came out okay. Another thing that I did and I, it was a purely an accident in another improv section, but this was a good one. So I had, I had a, the wh a whammy pedal, which I think is yours. And I, I had that. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I was doing this thing where I was like, you know, pushing it down and it was doing this. Wee -wee but the one pedal there on the bottom, if you, yeah. if you push it, it changes to like, you know, one octave, two octaves, this, that, the harmonies, all these kind of things. So when I was using it, <laughs> it was, it was like every time I pressed down, I, I had this like pulse going, you know, wee -oh, wee -oh, wee -oh, kind of thing. But every time I pushed down, I would switch to the different patch. So my heel would hit the other button. 
Uh-oh. And it had this really cool sound. Like, and it would go to like harmonies, but then the harmonies would change, and it would go back to the octaves. So I was pretty. That's I was like, cool. How did I never think of that before? Like, that's a brilliant idea. I mean, that's it was brilliant. It really it it sounded awesome, and I had this really cool like delay and kind of like thick reverb on it. It just sounded like this big, crazy sound going on. So those that's are my pretty two, cool. Um, nature. So you have to watch the video. One, you can watch me tune for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. floating bridges. I mean, that's one thing that turns me off from buying some guitars that I see uh, up on reverb. It's like, God, I don't want another Floyd. I, I just don't. Oh, I don't want to do it. You can't. Even, I mean, well, I don't like, even know what you do with a Floyd in that situation. I guess you just give up. Yeah, and, I can't imagine. There's got to be people that have, you know, like generally had pretty good luck, or whatever, and they just brought their one guitar with a Floyd in it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like and it's bad. like the middle of a gig and they they lose it like a string breaks or something and then just like oh yeah you're toast that's it you're finished i know we have four more hours in this gig but <laughs> <laughs> that was a thing that always had me kind of awestruck in a way when i got to see steve Vai or satriani and the guy just like beat the hell out of the lammy bar the guitar was generally pretty good in tune for like three songs then it switched off but either way i've never experienced a floyd rose where it stayed together that way taking that much punishment after one song you would be like nope i gotta oh, really repeat. interesting so i maybe I it's the way a, you know even with the the wilkinson style bridges i can be pretty mean with them and they're they mostly go back to tune hmm. um i don't noticed most that, that was what was weird with that brian moore i was like it came back and it didn't come back in tune like that was actually surprising to me occasionally mm-hmm. like one of the strings might get a little bit off and i'll just adjust it but that can happen if you bend the string too far yeah or exactly the, is that a float or a, not obviously it's a floating thing uh, does it have a locking nut or locking no. tube? okay yeah so i just and i don't i don't like the locking nut thing either it's cool on floyd's like Okay. Floyd's when you push down, like the strings really flop, right? Oh yeah, and you can pull that. up yeah. even higher, and just because of the way they're designed. Yeah, but with it, the cutout, like you can only go down so far. Like you don't really gain much. <laughs> like the strings do get floppier, but they don't sound much different at a certain floppy level. Yeah, so, like I can get easily get the Wilkinson to get to the floppy level, so I don't you don't gain anything on the Floyd that way, even though they do get floppier. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can pull it up farther, but I mean, you can still pull it up a lot on the Wilkinson. Um, so I don't know. Anyway, I like, I like them. They're plenty fine. My problem yeah. is I, I tend to take the, these days I take the bar off a lot of times, even though I had it on this time because it's a little too easy for me to get in like Jeff Beck, Scott Henderson territory. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really like figured a lot of that stuff out, but I listen to enough that it sort of just happens and tend to like when I hear myself sounding too much like somebody, I like to turn it off for the most part. Mm-hmm. I, um, I will put a one little asterisk on my rant about the tuning stability with Floyd Roses or floating bridges uh, is when I did the uh, when I had the Paul Reed Smith that actually held it really, really well, really well. Uh, that did have locking tuners and a graphite neck or a uh, graphite uh, nut on it, so it, the strings would move very, very easily. But I was pretty impressed with that. So another reason why I still cook myself for getting rid of that guitar. <laughs> <laughs> the pining. I should just write a song. I miss my Paul Reed Smith. 
I don't know why I don't play electric that more anymore, much anymore, but I still miss that guitar. It had a locking nut, huh? No, uh, locking tuners. Oh, okay. Yeah, locking tuners. Those are awesome. Huge fan of locking tuners. Yeah, I think they're great, I, especially on a steel string instrument. It's like it's perfect. I, I, you could never do that. And on you can nylon, change your but... strings in like three and a yep. half minutes. <laughs> it's like clip, 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 done. Oh yeah, it's awesome. It's it's so cool. I that's uh, I do like that idea of those things, and I like it. Like the the ones. It took me forever to figure out the ones that were on that Paul Reed Smith because it was like this weird tension thing where you had to like push it one way and turn the tuner another to get it to clamp down on the string and it, the first i was just like how the hell do you do this and it took me a good couple of weeks to finally get it down and now they're like even they're different where they lock up from the bottom and they pinch it you know from underneath and it's a, there's so many cool little options with the tuning things like that and then you get even further extremes like with my uh, headless where it's just it they're spinning things that you use your pick to to tune it even though, and there, it's all like locked in place at the end with with no nut at all. It's just a, an open a zero fret. So, yeah. it's a, I love that type of thing. If it makes a guitar better and it works, sweet. I'm a, I'm all in. It's great. So, that's awesome. So the gig, other than those t- couple of events, that was everything else went relatively yeah, well. Went pretty well. Yeah, I miss. No, I mean, well, I haven't played too many gigs, and I mostly haven't been seeking them out. Though I do have a gig in a few weeks with my trio. Um, at the Bob Stop also, but playing more like jazz fusion stuff. Mm. So that's going to be fun. Cool. I think that's September 9th, I want to say. So that'll be live streaming as well as, um, you know, in person. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that the album comes out tomorrow or today. Gosh, tomorrow for us, tomorrow, today for you. Um, it's a double album actually, which is my first double album. And, and for that matter, it probably could have been a triple album, if not more. We deleted a a lot of stuff. Seeing all that stuff. And I'm like, that's going to be a lot of fun to kind of go through and pick, you know, that's kind of the fun. It's almost like improvising the album itself out of an improvisory album. That's the words I'm looking at. Man, my mouth is just not working. So it's, uh. It's one of those things. Getting old. But uh, so, yeah. yeah. So that's coming out. And it's cool. We have uh, another guitar player on there, Chris Bober, who mm-hmm. um, I'll have to get him on the show sometime. We could talk about guitar, but he's also um, got a pretty cool uh, background in his day, j- day job that's like with psychology stuff. So, oh, yeah. Particularly with yeah, like, performance would... anxiety and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, he plays on it probably like half the tracks yeah and it's just it's it's it came out really good i think it's i kind of went with a little bit more raw mix intentionally just to make it a little bit hairier Mm -hmm. um than the red side visible which in a lot of ways you probably say that's already hairy but i this was a little bit hotter kind of like mix in some ways just to sound like more raw and uh but extremely dynamic. Like it's all over the place, like in terms of dynamics and stuff. Mm. And there's songs and singing bowls and all kinds of stuff. Like I said, I play viola on it. Um, I also did the artwork for it. Um, cause I'm crazy. 
<laughs> but that artwork turned out great. Like I like I like the look of it. It, it yeah, almost I think, like it's, it's, I think it's pretty it's cool. Like an eyeball close up with the veins and yeah. stuff like that. And it, it's just I like it. It, it. it sits well considering like and not just the album title, but like the name of the band, Night Terrors. Like you know. Yeah. So the like, night. So the, it was in the idea for the artwork was um, the first Night Terrors album was like this tree thing that. Um, I'm forgetting his last name, but his name is Richard something. He made this artwork is really cool, but it's a, these like trees, like, like at the edge of a forest, but you can kind of see like a face coming out through <laughs> the trees. Um, it's just, it just looks cool. It's a really neat, like illustration kind of drawing thing. And then the Paul Stranahan insomnia record is this white album that, that I did where I actually took Paul's eye. I did the artwork for it, but we start, I started with Paul's eye and then basically like it changed it up in a bunch of ways. It made it more circular. And it's like this sort of like white and brownish kind of eyeball. You, you know, are you familiar with that cover? The first or the second album? The, 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 the white, one. the white one with the eyeball. It looks like an eyeball. Yeah. 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 So anyway, I, I thought a little bit about that when I was making this. It's like, oh, it's sort of some weird combination of those two looks. Mm-hmm. So It works well. That's one of the, the hardest things. Like, let's go down this bunny trail for a second. Mm-hmm. I remember when I finished the, the, the one album that released, uh, getting the artwork for it took me forever. Like, I just was never happy with whatever I got. Like, I had friends of mine that were artists, and like my, my stepsister is a graphic design person or artist and uh she does fantastic work has done huge ad campaigns and yeah and she's a mock-up and i was like no that's just not not my thing you know and just went through all it, it literally took like another six to eight months for me to be happy with the artwork and the album was done you know it just needed to be uh that was my garbage can you know we got it recorded we could sample it and come up with a tune that's right but we, um so it just took forever for me to kind of like find something where I was like, yeah, that fits it. And it ended up like the artwork itself for that album ended up being like a conglomeration of three people's work, like a photograph from a friend of mine, a drawing from another friend of mine. And this, this one other friend of mine kind of like put it all together on one thing. And I'm like, Hey, that works. That's it. Yeah. That's it. We're done. You know? Um, so like the nice thing is at least with your abilities in terms of doing it yourself, that's got to at least take a little bit of the, ah, I don't like it. What about like this type of thing? Um, so yeah. what do you think? What, what's your take on that? Yeah. So I, I think I've gotten a lot better at it. Um, initially. Well, so before I played guitar, I was really big in the drawing, like enough. So that I think my parents were considering like getting me into a school that like really worked on like visual art. So even though I was like 10, they're like, he's showing an aptitude and like, whatever. But then I started playing guitar and like, just stopped, <laughs> you know, <laughs> stopped like drawing altogether for the most part, except like in my notebooks and stuff. Yeah. And so for the longest time, I never really advanced much past where I was at like 10 years old, <laughs> you know? Mm. Um, but at some point, I, you know, I started learning more about it and I read more books about it. Like when, when t- I'd have interest in exploring. So now like what I really learned was like drawing. I used to think was all about like, uh, like skill, like how well can you draw a straight line or a circle or, 
you know, but it really, in my opinion, it really has very little to do with that. That's like 1% of becoming a good drawler. Um, the real, the really good thing about the thing about drawing is knowing how to see, I think we might've talked about this a little bit before, yeah, but, we did. but what yep. people do is like, if you say, Hey, draw a table, people say, Oh, a table, they have a symbol in their head for a table. And it's like, Oh, it's, it's a square looking thing. And it's got these four legs and people can draw the, the, the symbol for it pretty well. The problem is that's not what it really looks like. So what you have to learn how to do is is draw what stuff actually looks like. It's not so hard to do in a way. You just trace the lines, you know, in your head yeah. still. But like, if you if you just like look at wherever you're at right now, and like I'm looking at this table, I'm saying, you know, there's certain lines you got to draw and the certain things you have to see. It. It's it's not that symbol that you had in your head, but the the actual thing that you're seeing and the shapes that you're seeing. So a big part of it is learning that. And then there's things about like. I've gotten tips like the guy who did the art work for the red side visible stuff. He sent me this book on like, um, shading and like the values and how the depth changes and where you like, even like these little instances where you put darker and lighter colors and what it does to the depth perception and all like little things you learn about Hmm. art. And one other side of it is at one point, um, I have an engineering degree, but I actually can, consider to do an architecture and I actually did a few semesters of architecture at Kent state. Um, I think it was before I met you maybe. Um, but yeah, that was great because the, the first couple of classes there was all about design. It wasn't so much about, um, like architecture itself, but just like what's good design. Like when you mm-hmm. draw something, what makes it good or not? And one of the things is, um, how the lines interact with each other. So like if you had a line here and a line here, well, like they connect here, mm-hmm. like something has to happen because they're interacting, even though they're just two lines you drew like this, something has to happen here because they're, there's, they're, they're affected. And maybe something happens here or on this side, that's different than the other side, because there's, they have to react to each other. So there's all these little like principles you learn about good design, good shading, blah, blah, blah. I've said all this to say that um, the first time I did an album cover was actually the first Red Side Visible thing. And it was not by choice. (laughs) Um, Part of the reason that we were picking up the CDs the time we were was the guy that was supposed to do the artwork just disappeared. I don't think I ever talked to him again. Like he just could never get a hold of him again. Like he just disappeared. So like I had to come up with some just artwork up and gone. Just yeah, I don't like, even. I don't know not- what happened to him. I don't even remember his name now. I could probably find it. But uh, yeah, it was just gone. Wow. And, uh, that was a very um. I know I that was very uh, I would say like an old school style of making album cover art because I used cameras it was all cameras like I hand drew a lot of stuff and I did layers but it wasn't like all digital like I was all it was like taking pictures and then using filtering and all these like it's hmm. almost like an old school style even all the like the wording and stuff I did by hand um so it was kind of neat in a way 
and even like I like laid out all these things, but I really just took a picture of these things that I would design and then I would crop them. But then the next album that I did was the, I guess it was that Paul Stranahan one with the eyeball. And that's mm-hmm. when I really started diving into like digital editing and stuff and what you could do and et cetera. So all this was a long winded way of saying <clears throat> I have some like education and design <clears throat> years of drawing. Um, and I've draw better now than I ever did in a lot of ways. Um, and if you ever go to my office at work, you just find people's things like it's crazy, like sketches that I just draw what I'm thinking. Like it's part of like my process. Um, I'm just sketching out things, but, uh, yeah. So when I, my, the problem I have with the digital thing is I'm just not like, I've learned a lot about it, but it's kind of like learning how to do the mixing things too, right? Where you get a new plugin and you got to like learn how it works and what does it actually do? And a lot of that is just like winging it. Like you just try yeah. it yep. like, Oh, huh. Hmm. And you kind of like put it in the back of your head, like maybe I could use that sometime. I don't really know what I would use it for. And you try to remember that that thing exists one day when you need it. <laughs> so it's, it's a bit like that when you're doing the, the video, the digital art. So this was a digital art piece, but I actually hand drew something like on my screen, like it's a touch screen. I like hand draw a little bit of things. Oh, nice. and then, then I like manipulated those things with some of the other things. And like, you can, you can do all these, it's kind of like music. Like you have these like different, um, instead of being a bunch of tracks going across, you actually have like layers of pictures on top of each other. So if you actually look at the the main picture that's the cover, I mean, it's like 20 layers of things mm-hmm. to get to that picture. And uh, I actually find this really cool picture of a tree as part of it, like this really like gnarly tree with all kinds of branches coming out. And I interlace that with all these other things and, you know, you cut them in a certain way. And um, some of it, though, it's like, you kind of get close and the problem I have with that is I don't I don't know how to do a lot of stuff. I'm always just like what's this filter thing do? You know? <laughs> uh, or like it's not really like filters like when you're using the the filters is like what you use right on like Instagram. I don't mean that. I mean like there's these like algorithms that do certain things like Yeah. It's going to um, affect the picture in a yeah, certain Yeah, you can like yeah. blur it certain ways there's like hundreds of different kind of blurs there's all no, hundreds of different kinds of stuff, yeah. spirals and there's like art artist textures and things like that you can use so a lot of it is like i don't totally know what all of them do but i if i see something that i like then i'm like okay i'll take i'll take a sort of like copy of that and then i'll build from there and constantly build from it <clears throat> and then i'll have like at some point i had you know, like 10 different versions of this thing that I could go back to at any point that were, each of them were fairly solid, you know, and I just kept building on it and kind of followed those paths to get to it. Hmm. So yeah, it's all those kind of like things you learn, but yeah. Yeah, no, that's, it, it was one of those things when I was doing mine that, I tried the digital thing and I'm like, I don't have the patience for this. Like, I don't, I don't want to have to. It's a lot of work. Yep. 
Uh, I would, I was, I would rather be playing guitar, you know. But at the same time, I was still super picky as an that artistic way to be like, yeah, no, that's not gonna cut it. That's not gonna cut yeah. it either. It's not gonna cut it. And I, you know, like, it's, yeah, like even now trying to name stuff in terms of like an album and come up with a photo for it, it's still kind of like, uh, no, I'll like it for a day and then I'll just no, I don't like it. Nope, I don't like it. It's uh, it's now it's, if I had my druthers. I would draw an art. I would draw one. The problem that people don't realize with really like good drawings is they take forever. Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna put eighty hours into it, you know? Yeah, like, absolutely. And yep. that's just the time commitment. I didn't have that time commitment or that time availability for this record. Trying to get the album out in the time that we had. It's a weird because thing. Deadlines, yeah. though. Sometimes that'll just help you just get it done, you know? Yeah, the, like, I didn't want to do that with a drawing. Because one of the things I was... What I what I really needed was brainstorming time, you know? I would mm-hmm. would have tried to put together 10 to 20 different designs as a draft, you know, kind of as quick as I could. That's still going to take me 10 hours, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, just to get those and then to be like, okay, I think what I really want to do is these two kind of mix together in some certain way and then take those ideas and then try to build the the real big one, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And it just takes time and I I don't know. They no, that's what you... Have the time. Well, that, I don't... Sorry, I, I'm not trying to cut you off exactly. No, no, you're but... fine, yeah. It, it it's like those things where uh, you can see them when I was on Instagram where you can see like somebody's like yeah you know this is a drawing done in ten seconds ten minutes and one hour yeah. type of thing and it's like oh kids I think that's the the one of the underlying things that most people that aren't creative in an, a serious artistic way don't understand is the amount of time it takes to get a certain result oh, yeah. like it's like you know I want, like a buddy of mine does a lot of website and design stuff. And he's like, I'll get rush orders, and you know, there's a lot of money to be made in a rush order. But sometimes I turn them down because it's like I'm not going to be it, that turnaround's too quick. It's not going to be that good. He's like, I could do it, but I have a standard, you know. Yeah, and right. he's big enough where he can take a hit of telling somebody no, you know. And uh, it, that goes I, across the board with all t- forms of art. Like you can yeah, be like, luck. I need it tomorrow, and it's like, well, good luck, you know. It's like, yeah, could I do it? Yeah, yes. totally that uh, you know, fast, cheap, good. Or whatever kind yeah of exactly you can even have it uh, cheap and two. fast but it won't yeah. be good you know it, it, it uh good and fast but it won't be cheap and then or, or cheap and good but it won't be fast <laughs> type of thing so it uh, or whatever that thing goes but and that completely applies because yeah. you know one of the things that i think and I, I don't mean to do like a separation of people with this but when you work in an artistic way the Emphasis is not only to please the client, but you got to be happy with it yourself. Sure. You know, it's like I, I have to put out something that they're going to be happy with, but I got to make sure that I'm happy with it as well. Even though I might not necessarily like the project or the, or the piece, you know, the aesthetic liking doesn't matter when money gets put on the table. Like, unless it's radically different from what I, I'm in, you know, if somebody wanted me to mix a hip hop tune, I'd be like, I'm probably not your guy. I don't listen to enough of it. I don't know enough of it for it to be worth the money. Give me some but, time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Give me some time and I can dive into it. And by time, I mean like six months of nonstop. Yeah listening and engagement uh to get it to that but the counterpoint is that 
you know, when, like, take the last wedding that I did, like, the, the piece that she picked was, like, this uh, was totally out of left field for me. I was not expecting anybody that wasn't a classical musician to be like, oh, yeah, this Leo Brower prelude would be great. And I was like, oh, boy. You don't know Leo Brower <laughs> you know, yeah. tonight. Listen to Leo Brower music. Yeah, you go to El de Camera Negro. That's how I played. But definitely check out that. His, uh, one of his many standout pieces. So. Wonderful. Uh, Absolutely incredible composer. Anyways, so she, like, the the bride sent me this list, and she wanted the prelude to that and uh, suite number two. And I'm like, okay, this is not easy. How long is your walk? You know, like, how much of this do I have to learn? And I'm like, let me look at it for, like, a week week to see if I can even do this. You know, do it well. Like, could I have pulled it off? Yes. Could I have pulled it off well is the question that I was looking at. You know, it's somebody's wedding. I don't want to screw it up. So, um, you know, after about a week of really tweaking it, I'm like, all right, I think at this spot it's good because then I can repeat this thing and it actually sound like it'll end when she gets to the front rather than me just stopping, you know, and playing like a chord that's relatively a resolution of where it's at. Um, and they were fine with it, and it went really well. Like it, it was actually like perfect timing. She got up to the front, and I hit that pop, spot where it sounded like it would end. Played a D chord. Everybody was happy and finished. But that's like the thing. And I was I already had a list of alternatives. I was like, just in case it doesn't work, this is what we can go with. Yeah. Because I don't. Yeah. I, I, my name's on it. I don't want to be like, oh yeah, that was lousy. Yeah, hire this guy. He's lousy, <laughs> or whatever. Oh, yeah, uh, plus, I want to be able to play it. And I'm kind of a perfectionist in that uh, to a fault. I got to really calm down a little bit and actually release stuff I, rather I than me. You know, I think it's really enough. useful information, honestly. Like, both of my kids are actually pretty good drawlers for their ages. And uh, they they work on it, too, like, just for fun. Like, they'll find YouTube videos and learn how to draw something. And, mm. like, and they get an advantage right it's kind of like if i was teaching them music they yeah. get an advantage of my experience and i can show them some things like hey just try doing this or here you could shadow it this way or you could do this or that um but what i i think it's a big advantage for them because i think there's a misconception like you said like with art that, that it's quick like mm-hmm. oh they just drew that picture of al pacino or whatever and it's perfect <laughs> and it you know, like that probably only took 20 minutes, but when I draw something, it looks like crap in 20 minutes. I was like, well, yeah, but it actually took them 25 hours to draw that, you know, and like that his nose took a week, you know, or something. Yeah, exactly. You know, yep. and uh, you don't realize how much time and effort and just to actually pull those things off. And I think once you know it, though, it's like, okay, well that seems more reasonable in a way. Like if all I had to do was focus on a nose for a day and try to make it as close to perfect as I could, maybe I could pull that off. Like, instead of being like, I got to draw this entire scene with 75 people. And you know, like, mm-hmm. like that's an impossible task to try to do in a day. Like no one's doing that. Yep. Um, I, I remember watching a thing on uh photorealistic portraits. Yeah. And that it was just like remarkable. It's like, yeah, it's this, this, yeah. yeah, this guy took like six months to do the uh, <laughs> a, a photorealistic thing from a photo, right. and it's like you could barely tell the painting away from the photo. But that's kind of the point with that style. And I was like, that's just the level of detail attentiveness is incredible. But yeah. like you were just saying, it's a matter of we don't get that. That guy looked at that inch by inch square for a week solid. 
to get every single detail right. Rather yeah, than yeah. looking at the big thing, it's like as I'm yeah, it's tackling, not like, oh yeah, let me look at your face. You know, yeah. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. I'm done. You know, it's and not like it, that at all. With working on music, like I'm working up a fugue right now, and it's like, what did I do today? I spent this, like I spent a good hour and a half on eight bars, sure, just working that up. You know, it's like, and I'm drilling it, and I'm drilling it and coming up with different ideas, finding out what's going on through the phrase and so on, and just working it up. And then I take that and then I'll put, that's still going to be a good amount of work. And then I move back and do something else and keep that up. And then you take all these fractions of the whole and string them all end to end when you think that you're competent enough. And then you play through it and weep bitterly and go back to the drawing board sure. and keep doing it. Um, that's just the way that it goes. And, and I think any level of rem remotely good art requires that amount of detail, attention to detail. You know, whether it's sculpture or painting or writing or, or uh, uh, music, you know, it, all yeah. those particular things are going to take an, an immense amount of detail work, which is funny because I remember my doctor saying, like, uh, he's like, you're probably, you probably do have ADD. He's like, you just don't know it because you're so, uh, like, in that artistic world where it's kind of valued in the sense of that it helps to be that way because it helps you be creative. He's like, yeah. one of the studies that they did is that, uh, you know, if you give artists, um, people that are, are ADD, that are very artistic, you give them the meds to help with that, their creative streak just dies, just just dive bombs. And I'm like, yeah, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> nope. Keep them away. I mean, I get it. If people need the help, whichever, that's fine. That's their, their yeah. thing. But that losing that streak would just be devastating to myself personally. So you like, well, in that case, I might as well just go work in a factory, you know, and not that there's anything wrong with that. I did before and it was great because yeah, I, I could come home and do whatever are, I want. Let's feel like kind of cheap. Um, as a diagnosis. Yeah, that too. Like, I agree. What, it's like a chicken and egg thing a little bit mm -hmm. you know were you add always if that was the case if it's actually true and you would be like that just pick your poison or mm -hmm. did you just get good at music because that was your obsession and it's not that you're add it's just you learn how to focus and actually like it, when something's interesting that's it but they yeah. i brought that up and he's like they were like uh the um what is this he's like that's also a symptom and i'm like how is that a symptom i'm not a medical guy now, aren't i could yeah. totally be yeah i could totally be way out there you know because i'm not uh i'm married to a nurse but that it's, it's like being married to a rocket scientist it doesn't mean jack you don't want me building a rocket or giving you medical advice yeah um but the underlying thing is just like well wait a minute so I'm easily distracted, but I have no problem sitting there, forgetting to eat, working on something for hours and hours. I mean, if I didn't have kids, I'd probably like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> it's away. Like, yeah, right. yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, yeah, I should eat and pay attention to those things that I love and take care of them. But um, that that always got frustrating because it was like playing both ends of the spectrum yeah. in terms of the diagnosis, easily distracted or hyper-focused. Well, guess what? that's two conflicting ends that you're saying result in the yeah, same thing. I mean, so now since we're in the diagnostic or diagnostic oh, world fun? right now, <laughs> since we've dived <laughs> over in, I, I'm thinking, and I'm an engineer also, like, so I'm always like problem solving, but I, I'm thinking like, well, maybe cause I, I do the same thing. It's like, I can hyper focus on music or art really. Um, endlessly, mm -hmm. but 
I'm also easily distracted, not during those times so much, but other times. And I, what I wonder, since I'm diagnosing, um, maybe it's just the balance. Like, since you've gotten so good at focusing on something, your brain's just like, all right, we're going to give you everything you need to satisfy that itch. You've been training us forever. But come on, when we're done with that, I need a break. Like, I'm not going to be able to focus all the time. How about you just let me recharge myself? I'm going to go a little haywire. But it's cool. Like, you'll probably get some cool thoughts through all this, too. I just need to, like, reset and do my thing. Mm-hmm. While, and then next time you need to do that, I'll be ready to go. I'll be healthy, fresh, good to go. Nice balance. Yep. If you were always hyper-focused, like, that doesn't seem very um, healthy, I don't think. Probably not. Just uh, like some completely point. absent-minded all the time would not be probably very beneficial. No, no. One of the interesting things that I'll note is that last night I had a Lunesta, which I have like, I always have trouble sleeping. It's just one of my biggest things. I'll, I go in and out and I try to compensate with it. And, and as much as I healthily can to get to sleep, you know, I, I don't drink rarely at all because if I use that to get to sleep, that's generally a bad sign. So generally, you know, occasionally whatever, but if it's like, oh yeah, it's uh, I need to start drinking now to fall asleep eight hours later, that might be a sign of something else. <laughs> So, but I, I have a script for Lunesta and I took it, but I usually avoid taking it because the next day I am extraordinarily irritable, like just angry, snipping at the littlest things. And uh, so I kind of was like, yeah, you know, I kind of need to function in a society and not be that angry hermit type of guy. Um, but to, to counterpoint that, when I was practicing today, I had a level of alertness and focus that I haven't had in like years. It was remarkable to me i was getting so much done so happy with my playing so focused on everything and just knocking it out it's like yeah Maybe this I might play be better when i'm angry <laughs> yeah that dude that thought is totally sitting in my head i'm like you know the trade if i could keep my marriage together and still be the did, did you watch the pat Matheny video so if you haven't seen this pat i haven't Matheny watched the whole thing interviewed yet. I by rick beato but I, I remember him mentioning, he's like, I can just sit there on triads for like hours, man. Right. I'll sit there and practice that for like five or six hours. And I'm that, like, that was not the part I was yeah. going for. What I was, I think it's later in the interview. So you probably didn't get there. Not, probably not. Which is, if he has a gig that day, he doesn't eat till after the gig. He plays late at night. Yeah. So he doesn't eat anything all day. He won't eat wow. until after the gig. And he said, <laughs> And it reminded me, you reminded me of it because he said like, he's like, I play better when I'm hungry. It's just the way it is. I, I play better when I'm hungry. He's like, there's some negative sides to it too. And what I'm wondering <laughs> is like, he probably gets like snippy from yeah. a little irritated, yeah. you know, like everyone get away from me. I'm hungry, you know, I'm hangry mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. Yep. 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 Um, it, you know, it's those things you like kind of learn about yourself, um, mm-hmm. I guess. But it made me think. Yeah, maybe just be. Maybe it's the angry part of it that helps him focus <laughs> and play better, right? Yeah, um, maybe you know. Ang- anger is like, pretty. Like, I always do this when I get mad. Um, if like if we're bickering or something, I, I like need to do something. Like, so I'll start cleaning or whatever. You know, like, mm-hmm. and I like I can clean like the whole house. You know, 
my wife's like, oh, it should make you mad more often. And, you know, <laughs> exactly. She's got keywords and phrases in a little book. It's like, this needs cleaned. Kitchen's really react. looking a little messy today. Yeah. But it's like that. Yeah. You're just kind of like, I'm going to zone in, think about something else. And you're like, I don't know. I haven't really tried that with music, like being angry. And I'm, I'm certainly I've played when I've been angry before. Oh, yeah, of course. But uh, I don't recall like having a strong opinion of whether it was good or bad. Mm -hmm. So today felt great. Like, I just know because I, I maybe, you know, well, all right, fine. I'll just say it. The, uh, maybe it's a post COVID brain fog that I think I've been maybe fighting like just for myself. Cause I had, cause that was one of the things, you know, that they say, it's like a lot of people complain about like they have this brain fog after having it. And I'm like, well, I also, you know, work, have a family and two young kids. Yeah. So Can brain fog is kind of, the, yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, yes, welcome to the, the, my life. That's a, just a default thing. Um, but uh, it really was remarkable the amount of clarity I had today. And I hope I can keep that up. I don't know how, uh, what that was, but it was like, wow, there it is. I'm totally in the zone, man. Well, <laughs> I, was, I heard uh, Scott, I think it was Scott Anderson, pretty sure. But he was talking about water, um, that people don't drink enough water, particularly in the morning. And hmm. like, if you wake up in the morning and you don't drink a couple of glasses of water just to sort of like get yourself set, you can be like foggy all day. <laughs> so one of the biggest things he did on tour the last couple of years is just, you like have a big bottle of water or whatever, like it gets up. And then the rest of the day goes like 10 times better just <laughs> in general, like as a rule, because he just feels more like alert and is not so foggy because it's, it's like the body needed some oil or whatever, you know, just to grease the wheels. Maybe. So you're just, yeah. you feel a little bit better. Like all the systems are working better. They have enough fluid. They're not, you know, in any kind of weird state. I'm like, oh, that's kind of an interesting thing to think about. Mm -hmm. I, like Wait, in the morning when I have coffee, or, I, I'm a big coffee fan. Oh yeah. So am I, but yeah. I always try to drink like a glass or two of water before I, because I'm always like, That's I know I'm probably dehydrated. I don't like to drive yeah. right into the coffee, I guess. That's uh, usually coffee and like uh, my normal routine, you know, wake up with the kids, get, I, I don't eat till they're out of the house. Like yeah. it's like, get that all situated. Okay. They're, they're at school, come home, have a cup of coffee, grab whatever I'm going to eat, whether it's something it's it, my go-to has been like yogurt and granola something i can kind of like throw in a bowl and then walk up and sit down and yeah. start my metronome and just kind of like nosh as i'm going um jealous yeah <laughs> yeah well you know it, it, luckily i have teaching to help you know feed me otherwise it'd be like i'm jealous yeah well i'm hungry so what <laughs> <laughs> why do you think yeah. i'm eating granola yeah, exactly. It's cheap. Uh, so, and it's actually not too bad. It's, it's my wife is like, you're no, eating like, uh, well, I use it with like the unflavored Greek yogurt, you know, like, you know, non vanilla. She's like, why? And I'm like, cause I, I don't really care. It's just breakfast. And I don't want to have an elaborate breakfast. Cause that kind of feels like I'm weighted down now. It's like something nice and light and I'm good to go. And then I usually have a huge dinner, but it's like lunch will be like something small and, just to keep me going so I don't get hangry and, and like scream at students or whatever unwarranted uh, emphasis on unwarranted sometimes it's warranted <laughs> and uh, then just kind of like go through the rest of the day so I think that, that might be an interesting thing to dive into uh, with somebody that really knows what they're talking about nutrition and how that helps with focus and so on maybe we could get 
some form of a dietitian. And he's any also of the dietitians. Let us know. Yeah, dietitian. I, you know, I tell you, probably the last five to ten years. I can't. I can't quite recall. Um, I started. That's eh, probably five years. Like intermittent fasting. So I basically I don't eat breakfast. Okay. And it's like the greatest thing I ever did ever because I always struggle with breakfast. Like if I eat anything like sugary or sweet at all, or even just even like oatmeal or any, it makes me feel crappy like the whole day. Like mm. it just it's like a downhill thing for me. So what I found out at one point though um, was I could do like protein shakes in the morning and mm. I felt good. Um, you know, or if it was just like basically like no no like sugary things you know or and i yeah. say sugar i mean like carbs not like a carb heavy thing yeah yeah but then uh at some point i i was work especially when i was like lifting a lot there was a program i was doing and it like highly recommended it and i was kind of worried about it but then i did it and i was like it was like the greatest i you can have coffee like i had a black coffee mm-hmm. but in, i don't usually eat till one or so you know twelve thirty one. And it's awesome. Like you're just like hyper focused during that time. Like just whatever your body's doing or something during that time. It's great. And then you tend to not eat like when it's one o'clock. I don't want like sugary anything. Like I'm not like, oh man, I wish I had a donut or it's always like I want something of substance that's, you know, kind of more healthy on the healthier side. Mm. Um, So yeah, it's kind of interesting how it changes you. Where... I still will have like, if, you know, if we get donuts or something one day, like I'll have donuts in the morning, but then it's like a downhill for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. It's like we had donuts now, like 10, you know, I had donuts in the morning, maybe nine thirty, ten. I'm like, oh, I wish I had another donut, <laughs> you know, or I want some kind of sweet something. Or and then by noon, I've already had like my daily consumption of calories and I still want food and I'm just hungry. Like it makes me feel gross. And I, I don't feel good about it either. Like you're like, oh, I want chips and I want it pop or something yeah one of the annoying things about getting old is i had to get like my yearly checkup and everything and my wife made me do it just because check the blood pressure check everything like that because it was a little bit high and i'm looking up online like what is the diet if your blood pressure is not hypertension but pre or whichever in that range and i'm like that is my complete diet like and it wasn't like bad it was all it's like olive oil garlic you know the greens and uh um oatmeal, dairy products. I'm like, that's literally my diet. Like literally that's what I eat. I like, I generally, my wife so that doesn't said, help. You have to do more. Now. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm ticked. <laughs> it's, it's like, I, I've been taking care of myself. I work out five or six days a week. I, I eat generally healthy. Like I have, I don't really like sweets, but that's because I gorged them when I was a young kid. It's just like yeah. enormous yeah. sweet tooth. And now it was kind of like, uh, yeah, they're not like, my favorite it, either, but uh, it's kind of like if you open the gate, I can yes. get sucked in, you know? Yep. It's like if the kids want to go to Dairy Queen, if I get something, I'm going to be craving more of it Yeah. if I get yeah. that. Sure. But that's why I usually just – they're like, can we go to Dairy Queen? It's like, yeah, that's fine. I just don't get anything. It's like whatever because I know what I'll do uh, mentally, what I'll be craving after that, and that's annoying. It's just like uh, it's, I just wanted to chill, but now I'm sitting here wanting another uh, blizzard or right, something. And, and how does that help with music? It helps because it makes me happy. Yeah. And apparently, I think I play better happy, but I clearly play better angry. 
<laughs> or at least right. I think I, or at least irritated. And now you can be like, I wanted some ice cream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Deny that and get it, get angry. Stub my toe. Why do I always deny myself? <laughs> I hate myself oh, for man. not eating it, but I hate myself <laughs> if I do eat it. Just hate. Period. Great. This is going to be an awesome practice session. So, uh, and that does make me happy. That it makes me angry to stop practicing when it's going that well. It's just like, why are you wasting my oh, time? That's the with- worst, right? Yeah. yeah. So you start actually like getting something, and then it's like, oh, I gotta go to work, or I gotta go. Like it's time to do this, or time to do that. Where the kids get into a fight, or yeah. they, they need help with something. It's like, oh, that was going so well. Oh well. <laughs> I mean. I'll never remember how I did that. (laughs) (laughs) At least most of mine is already written out in in front of that. You know, we didn't even get to that topic. We got to save that for the next one. And just to clue everybody in, me and Tim have decided to do a mutual challenge uh, this past couple of weeks. Is I want to say I assigned, but he asked for a suggestion of a classical piece to work on something with multiple voices. Particularly Bach. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly Bach. That's what I was gonna. I was heading down that that oh, uh, direction. <laughs> Not whatever. And then uh, for myself, I was asked, and I'm like, all right. So what would I? What would you give like a, a junior lover's student uh, a, a jazz standard to learn and and, and approach? So I, I'm trying to tackle. A, well, I am tackling a cello by Starlight, and it's interesting because. Let's save the complete discussion for another and start this at the beginning of the podcast rather than towards the end. But uh, we definitely have differing approaches. And it's like I, getting into a jazz and improvisational frame of mind with it is very different for me because I'm looking at like right. the, like the co- chords and the melody and I'm thinking, okay, let's grab a couple of arrangements and sla- and I'm it very quickly getting drawn into that trap. But I'm going to yeah, stop so talking. I'm, I'm trying it. to stop so. him from like I'm trying to – if I were teaching him – so to speak, uh, what would I expect in it? The arrangement stuff's all great, but I know that's what he's good at. So like, it doesn't help. It doesn't help them to be yeah. a jazz player at all, really, to play somebody's arrangement. Yeah, or even kind of the work. In, in this sense, it's like even working up my own is not the the point. It's yeah. more to be on the improvisational edge. So it it's it. It's I mean, like that was a new to language do. to use, which was new to him, I think. And uh, so I'm hoping he's working on that too. Yep. And we'll see what Tim's going after once he's done uh, getting it all under his fingers. So then we can talk, start talking about it a little bit more in depth. Yeah. So it is not fun. I, it's been nice. It's like it's actually kind of nice in a way. Because normally a lot of the stuff is – I'm either working on songs for a show or like a record or something mm-hmm. or like a lot of the stuff I'm practicing is a little more abstract or I'm creating my own music with it. But to have like an actual piece of music just to play, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just kind of nice. I haven't had that in a while. Um you know, and it sounds, it's beautiful. You know, the music's beautiful. Yeah. Yep. And a lot of it's just because I use a weird tuning too. Like I'm, I was trying to maintain the tuning. So the fingerings and stuff often don't work that are in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right now I've just been like sort of mapping it out, which of course I'm not writing any of it down, but I'm just remembering. <laughs> but I need to write it down because there's certain choices that I'm making that I'm like, I really like them that actually, it's, instead of what would probably be in first position with the standard tune is actually getting me up the neck um, mm-hmm. more, um, which I kind of like because it just certain, it lets you like milk this, 
notes a little bit differently. Yeah, um, I, I'm curious to see what that because that was the one thing in the back of my head. I'm like, this is going to be interesting with that altered tuning. Yeah, like, I, I could switch to standard, and I I said to myself that if it just didn't work out, I would just do it in standard. It's yeah. not that I can't do standard. It's, yeah, yeah, it's of sort course. of part of the challenge too. Like I kind of like the idea of doing it mm-hmm. in my tuning. Um, and I think it I'm yields good. a different result, right? Where yeah. you would use an o- open string for uh, E and a B, I'm using it f- open strings for Fs and Cs, mm-hmm. you know, on those two strings. So there's there are a couple times where I'm using like the open C or whatever, you know. Yeah, and that that's kind of neat. Um, it's like it ends up being kind of cool. Um, but there's also times where it's like, oh man, like that particular phrase is probably really <laughs> easy to do yeah. in standard tuning. But here I'm like doing this or something, you know, just to make yep. it work. So it's it's kind of there's nothing that's impossible though. So it's it's been fun. Hmm. I enjoy it. We'll talk cool. more about it later, but yeah, we'll I mostly start, we'll have the first cool. movement memorized. Like that's sort of like if I have enough time I can remember how to do it, but I'll get the parts of it where it's like, uh, what was that again? Yeah. Oh yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't have it like, it's not like seamlessly memorized, but it's like, I basically remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I just, a lot of it's like, I remember what it sounds like, you know, yeah. so it, like it's not foreign where, to me like, anymore. Where I'm coming at it from like, okay, I don't have that crutch of having the score in front of me. Like, yeah. obviously I'm using my ears duh, at all times, but it's interesting. It's just a different vibe to have like nothing. And I'm just yeah. kind of like going up. I have discovered that, you know, my I and M alternation in terms for improvising is great. It's like, this is fantastic. Why am I using a pick? I would just stop using a pick if I were you. I mean, I would be right there with you if I didn't wreck my nails on steel strings. Like if I didn't, uh, if they wouldn't like tear up the ping pongs or kill my tone when I went to nylon, Absolutely, I would do that all the time. Like, no, no brainer. Immediately, it'd be like. I wonder if you ever tried those, like, I don't know what you call them, banjo picks or whatever. They sound absolutely god awful on nylon string. Oh, yeah, but no. I'm I'm not talking about nylon. So oh. when you play steel, I haven't tried them on a steel string, but I can't see them like working well because of the way that they go over the tip of the finger, and that would get my nail would get in the way. Like I get, like I'd have to have it like out to here. Like for those of you that aren't listening, I'm showing or that aren't uh, watching. Uh, I'm like holding my finger out from my fingernail. It's like it, it would come out so far from the fingernail, yeah. protect it. And just to be blunt, I'd be like a little bit of a wuss. I don't want to damage that because I, I spent so much time on the other thing. Now that being said, you know, um, when I was doing the acrylics, I wouldn't care. Like when I was doing a full acrylic, acrylic nail. It didn't matter. Like the, the acrylics would break a steel string before they would break. Those things were so uh, durable. But the tone on them was, I'd say it was like 80%. Like it was good, but it wasn't, it was just lacking something, you know. Um, especially, I remember I, I heard Jim Marin play when I was actually training for that gig that we both did. Yeah. Uh, and, and I was like, oh my God, his tone is like 10 times better than mine. I'm going back to the ping pong balls. Forget this done. You know, so I, that's what caused me to ditch that. Um, so I don't know. It's like, uh, I think if I played super quiet on a steel string, I'd be all right for a little bit, but still it would just, it, it would just wreck them. I know it does. Cause whenever I try to teach on a steel string, it's like by the end of the day or whatever, even a half hour lesson, I'm like, dang it. Now I got to refile everything to get a better edge. 
you know, it, it, it's part of that's what has me looking at those Godin's, uh, those, uh, yeah, the nylon the ones. Nylon ones. Yeah. It's like I'm curious because that's like the perfect hybrid for uh, electric and the strings that I like. Plus, it's a MIDI, so I could really just do whatever the hell I wanted with the thing. Sure. Uh, in terms of a controller, it's like, hmm, that would be tempting. So, yeah, I, I know a lot of people that have those, they really like them. So. Yeah, I, I like them too in theory, but I can't stand the sound of them. Like compared to a a regular full bodied classical, even like a Yamaha. Yeah. Well, like that, I guess if you yeah, compare it to an electric like, or something, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, right, right, kind of interesting. Hmm. I still might grab one because they're reasonably priced. You know, they're not super expensive. Right. You know, it's something where if like if I actually get to that level of spare cash, they're fun. I bet they play really nice too. Like oh yeah, yeah like I'm, oh I'm this is like a what a nylon string could feel like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like low action, and uh, and on that note, I did get that uh, zero. Fr- uh, did that you zero put it? In, oh, did you get the blank one? I got the blank. It just came in the mail, so I'm gonna I, I, I'm gonna have to take it somewhere to get it sized up, to give it a shot. Um, so I, I'll probably do that within the next couple of weeks once I figure it out, like who I trust with it, because uh, certain local places kind of went down. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, uh, and there's a guy that lives like an hour from me that does phenomenal work, but it all depends on how busy he is. You know, can I show up and have him do it in a day while I sit and watch him? Or is it going to be something where I have to leave it for a week? So all those types of things, questions, 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 and get that done. But I think this is, uh, I think this is as good a stop. As yeah, well, else. I was going to say that one. Oh, yeah. So I, I'm working it up now, and I, like I said, I'm getting it under my fingers. But I do, at some point, I probably would like to record it, and I'll put nails on then. It's not to work it up, you know, yeah. The ping pong ball thing. You can do the. It's ping been ball a while since I've done that, but I still <laughs> remember how to do it. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just get ready for pain, because that's the way that it is. Yeah. Though I did, I will say that I did uh, end up doing a lot like Jim Marin, where the ping pong ball is supporting the natural nail rather than just ping pong contact. And that is more of a result of shaving it down than intention for originally placing them on. Because I like that ramp going up these uh, the I and the M finger. And to get that angle, you know, the natural nail comes out really quick, but it's a huge improvement for the tone. It's like, oh, okay, sweet, you know, and it's supportive and it keeps the right shape. Because the only thing that stops me from using natural nails is I have tremendously bad hooks in all of them. It's just like, you know, in each one. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, this isn't going to work. Plus, I like having the security of replaceable things. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like, it's like, okay, a broken nail, I can just fix it. You know, um, the Rico nails are really good. Those are really good if you want to, to use something. And they just glue onto the top with like a tape adhesive. And they sound great. I, I turn, the Poparad used them uh, when I was subbing for him at a, 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 a Man of La Mancha. And uh, so we were talking about that and they held up really, really well. Like mm-hmm. they'll, they'll definitely hold for a couple hours, you know, and then so that, that him using them, turned, it, it had me tell all my students that wanted to grow their fingernails, but one didn't have time nor that much, like they wanted to, but they're like, that's a big commitment. I'm like, just spend $20 and get these things and put them on and I'll help you shape them. And you can just put them on when you want to play and that'll give you this. And then you can make that decision off of that and the removal idea. That's yeah. interesting. And they, only, really they stay on for a few hours and then they pop yeah. off? Yeah, dude, you can rip them off if you wanted to. Like, it's not going to hurt. It's just, it's literally like a, it's almost like a post-it note style of glue where yeah. it'll stick, but then, it, you know, you can kind of rip it off if you put, apply enough force. But if it's a good enough 
connection where you can actually play and get results. You know, it's not going to cause this thing to fly off. Uh, I know a guy, uh, Lukas, I'm going to, I don't remember his last name, the Polish classical guy, absolutely phenomenal, but he uses Kiss Nails, the, the, that brand, the, the glue-on ones, yeah. and he just replaces them every week, and his tone was massive, so it's like, okay, I'm in the camp of, does it get the results that you want? Okay, then who cares? You know, sure. as long as it's legal, you're good to go. <laughs> so, <laughs> you don't want to do like, yeah, this is elephant tusk, it's like, yeah, let's let's find another option there for the uh, um, for the nail ends on that. But yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, no, yeah, it's interesting. I didn't know I didn't know about those at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I noticed like you know, I was using my the pads of my fingers. You know, doesn't doesn't quite get those sounds that you you know. Oh, well, you sound like Targa then, because he that? was a no-no guy. Targa, no oh. nail. Yep, that that was still in the thing where that was still kind of like. It doesn't sound uh, that bad, but you get that no, little like sh- sh- sound. Yeah, you got a right. difference. There's that there. Uh, getting like true, real gnarly Ponticello is tough uh, with that, just because of the, the nature of the skin. But I also found that like when a friend of mine did a period album, uh, I did the engineering work on it, where he played without nails on gut strings on a period guitar. Yeah. Like he had one built that was smaller. First of all, the thing was a cannon, but it was a Thames, so that kind of has it going for it. And the second thing was is that it sounded like a more like a piano than a guitar, hmm. just because of the nature of like the contact. And he would uh, take olive oil and dip his fingers in it before he would play, because oh, that's what they would do. So they'd like take a little, they'd like have a little bottle and you know like do that, and then they play. So and it's interesting. Might be something to try. See what that does on the yeah. nylon strings. I know for sure on gut yeah, the strings just pop up, off. Then. Yeah, just yeah. No, we don't like that. You use that only on cat that gut didn't strings, work. which I still can't believe you can get. You but you can get legit gut strings if you want them. So not cheap, but you can get them. I think it's like seventy dollars. Do that. Get some tortoise shell picks. You'll be great. <laughs> And at literal ivory keys, you're good right. to go. Let's call it the endangered species band. So, <laughs> I guess I saw Julian Lodge talk about the tortoise shell picks, and apparently you can get them, but they like melt down. They don't get them from the tortoises. They melt down like old jewelry. Yeah, and they yep. make them, but they're pricey. And that's <laughs> coming from he said they were pricey, and he uses um, blue chip picks, which are like forty bucks a pop. Really? So wow. if, if blue chip's not pricey, I can't imagine what those cost. What the hell is in a blue chip pick for 40 bucks? Magic. Is it the tortoise? Do you want to sound like Julian or what? <laughs> Come well, on. I'm going to need that. I'm going to need a Colin, <laughs> two Collins, because I got to have an acoustic one as well. And then uh, whatever amp that he's using on. And then that, uh, let's see, he's got that universal audio like. Uh, the Oxbox thing. Yeah. Yep. So, but he only yeah. used that, I think, like online or whatever. But yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, Either way. So it's, yeah. All right. So uh, yeah, check out the new album. We'll, I'll check put a link it. on this. Here again. again. Here again. Yeah. Wasn't my idea for the title, but it's cool. Whatever. I was not being picky <laughs> at that point. I just wanted yep. to get the artwork done. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, the live it. stream on Facebook from your gig, and then your oh yeah, that's happening. Oh, and then um, I have some uh, a promo video I'm gonna hopefully put out tomorrow too for that record, and it has uh, 
Paul and I in particular answering some questions. So oh, hopefully, cool. hopefully it'll come out kind of cool. And it, talk a little bit about the gear and and just the experience and what Night Terrors is and blah, blah, blah. So Very nice. We'll see. <laughs> just, a, <laughs> just add it to the list. <laughs> yeah, hey, it's better than nothing out there. Yeah. So. Cool. All right, y'all. Catch we'll y'all see later. You later.